Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, and I am demystifying cybersecurity careers for the month of October, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Now, we had guests scheduled. Unfortunately, some folks had some family emergencies and they could not be with us today. So I am here solo to do Ask Me Anything. So I want to talk to you all about uh, some of the frequently asked questions that I get when just as a whole, you know, being doing this podcast, one of the one of the awesome things about starting the Breaking into Cybersecurity podcast is that Chris and I get uh, Chris Folon and I, Chris Folon's my co-host, as you know, um, we get so, so many questions and requests and people want to know all about us. They want to know so many different things. And so I am going to answer some of those frequently asked questions today. I am also inviting anyone who wants to come on and ask their question live, happy to do so. So I don't want just want to be talking by myself. So if anybody wants to jump in, let us know, let me know, and I will share the link with you behind the scenes and then we can get this thing started. So, hey, Claudia. Claudia says, good afternoon. Hey, Claudia, how are you today? So um, first frequently asked question, uh, one of the, you know, the, I probably the number one thing that I get from people is... <laughs> how do I break into the industry, which is so funny. Um, and, and they'll ask me this after watching the show. And um, there's so many different ways. I mean, this is the reason why Chris and I started breaking into cybersecurity. I mean, for folks who have not been with us for a very long time, we started this two years ago. We just had our two-year anniversary slash two-year birthday party, whatever. So we're officially toddlers um, in this space. Hey, Danielle. So some of our folks are here. Hey, Danielle, if you want to ask your question on camera, feel free. Let me know and I'll send you the link. Um, so Chris and I started this forum um, back in 2018 before LinkedIn had live, before, you know, we, we used to use a tool called um, Crowdcast and you had to register to come on um, and share your information, share your, your contact information and your email, drop your email address. Um, and we had, I think one of the very first folks that we had on was Chris Roberts, which is so funny. Um, and he'll be back soon. Um, so Chris Roberts is one of the first people that we had on. Many of you know him. He is a cybersecurity guru. We love him because he just tells it like it is, like no BS, straight shooter. That's it. So he came on and he talks about communications. And, you know, since then we had so many people, different people on and our real goal and the, re the real, real true reason why we started this initially is because Chris and I had gotten so many requests to come on. Um, well, not to come on. Chris and I had been getting hit with people behind the scenes. Like, how do I break into the industry? How do I break into the industry? And it was so you know, we kept responding to people and we're like, this is taking too much time. Like we need to, one, for one, 
breaking into the industry isn't really my area of expertise because people, when companies come to me, so companies hire Renee Small, my company, to come in and hire talent for them. And when they come to me, they're looking for people who are seasoned. So typically they come, they're like, hey, we have this very niche skill set. We're looking for people who have 10, 15 years experience. Typically these people on average are, you know, architects, senior security engineers, folks with like 15 years or so experience, usually on average 10 to 15 years experience on average compensation ranges of about 175 to 225. So definitely, you know, seasoned base salaries. So definitely seasoned individuals. And so it was very, very interesting to me to hear from people who were new to the industry who were like, hey, you know, I'm really trying to break in. And we wanted to put together a forum. Chris and I wanted to put, a, get, put together a forum that was a peer-to-peer forum where people who have recently broken into the industry, who have five years experience um, or less, so they're new to the industry, they've, they've, you know, they've um, used new tactics, new strategies to break in, um, and have them come on and tell their story. And that's really where we started. And we wanted, and you know, since then, obviously, this thing has exploded. And we've had guests from, you know, Ron Gula to Chris Roberts to, um, you know, all types of leaders, Gary Hayslip and um, uh, so, so many CISOs and CIOs, CIO, CTOs now, you know, pivoting to a little bit of that too, to so get more leaders in to tell you what they look for in talent. Um, so, so much of that, but the core, core, core of this was to really have people who had under five years experience come on and talk about how they did it. Because how someone who's doing it now is very, very different to how someone did it 10, 15 years ago. And I was quite frankly tired of hearing misguided advice. You know, a lot of seasoned people who, you know, I, I understand that they are trying to be helpful, but they were kind of telling their own personal stories. So it's like kind of saying like, how did Renee Small get into recruiting in like 2003? That's not helpful for you today. How someone got into security 15 years ago is not helpful for you today. Today, we want to know how people are doing it now. If I was ta- if I was going to have something, you know, talking about recruiting, I want to know how people are doing it today. So that's why we have people come on typically with under five years, under five years experience to talk about like, you know, how they broke in, how they got into the industry and what they've been doing um, over the past five years. So a couple questions coming in. Somebody's saying Renee Small is my hero. Oh, I don't know who that is. Is that Ken Underhill? Probably. <laughs> Ken is such so funny. Okay, so Jordy says, hi, Renee. Do you feel someone can learn cyber virtually through a program like Cybrary or Udemy without prior tech training and then say three to six months later, be in demand for an entry-level cyber job like a tier one SOC analyst? So Jordy, this comes up very, very often. Um the challenge is this, and um, James Azar, if you if you go back two or three days, I think Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, there was a uh, we did a live stream with 
um, James Azar, who's amazing. He's a CISO and he hosts a CISO Talk podcast amongst many other podcasts. And uh, we also had Naomi Buckwalter on here. She's phenomenal too. She is a CISO and she hires people. And one of the points that we made or one of the things that came up around entry level is that there's just not as many entry level jobs as we would like. So people say, you know, the reason why I think, one of the reasons why I think so many job postings are asking for all this experience is because they really don't want an entry level person. Even though they might say it's entry level, we know that entry level is truly zero to two years. That's real deal entry level. A lot of these companies, they can't afford to train someone up for a number of reasons. Um, they might be tight on budget. The leader may just have like an overflowing plate. He, he or she needs someone to jump in right immediately. They need somebody that's seasoned. Um, so entry level positions are com- becoming more and more difficult to come by, which is unfortunate. And we're all collectively trying to figure out a way to change that. Um, so to answer your question, Cybrary and Udemy are phenomenal places to get a start. However, I don't know from what we've experienced over the past two years interviewing over 100 people, three to six months might be a challenge after a Udemy or a Cybrary unless you already have some other prior experience um, to be able to break into the industry. What I have learned is that um, getting started as soon as possible. So Jordy, if you're completely out of the industry right now, I'm not sure, but you know, get the one great thing is that you're here. So you're listening to this podcast. Um, and then also just start to network within the industry, start asking more and more people, you know, how do I break in? What should I do? What certifications do I need? What should I learn when a manager is looking to hire someone, it is entry level, what sh- kind of experience should that person have? And when I say experience, obviously you're entry level, so it's likely not going to be corporate experience, but the experience that you have by creating your own home lab, by doing your own self-directed projects. So that would be my um, my recommendation to you um, to get as much hands-on experience as you can what we've learned over these two years and even prior to this, you know, for, I've been recruiting for almost 20 years and nine times out of 10 hiring leaders want experience. It's experience that trumps any education, any certification, any day of the week. I've seen it over and over and over again. You know, people, they typically are looking for somebody that they can drop into a slot and say, hey, Jordy, go do X, and you can do it with minimal supervision. That's what the vast majority of leaders are looking for. That's what the vast majority of leaders, um, the vast majority of leaders, that's what they want. Um, So if you, and especially in this virtual environment right now, get as much of that as you can, just create it yourself. Go out there. I would Google, you know, most in-demand skills. I know right now for me, I'm doing a lot of recruiting in or uh, I would say almost all everyone I speak to from a recruiting perspective is looking for people that have cloud um, experience that understand security in the cloud. That's a big one. still a big one. Um, 
Blockchain is one that's big. It's going to be coming, especially in financial services. Um, so Google like in demand skills and then talk to people in the industry, talk to people where you think you may want to go and kind of dig in on that stuff and like play and play and play and put your reps in. So that's my advice, Jordy. Um, Claudia adds referrals are a great way to start. She's absolutely right. And Claudia also says use your LinkedIn contacts. And she is absolutely right about that because the thing about LinkedIn, what's awesome and amazing about LinkedIn, um, and I'll pull from Shellen, who was on our podcast on Wednesday this week. Um, and you can get all these podcasts. I'm going to do my own public service announcement. <laughs> you get all the podcasts on iTunes, YouTube. You can go on my LinkedIn feed. I think Chris Folon posted on his LinkedIn feed. So they're all out there for you to see and learn from these people who are new to the industry. A vast majority of the people we're bringing on this month are going to be new, are new to the industry. That's the whole goal of this. And so Shellen, who's only been in the, in the, in the industry three years from South Africa, no degree. We didn't get to talk about that because we were talking for a while, but he does not have a college degree. Um, but he went, he did Cisco Academy, which I've been learning that a, a number of people are doing. Got a first certification and a second and what have you and got hired into his first role. And he's been around, he's only been in the industry for three years. He did do some help desk. So he had a little bit of um, tech experience, but been in the industry three years, started his own Facebook group as a study group. And then from there, um, his Facebook grew, grew to 15,000 connections. And the thing about Facebook groups and, you know, one of the things that he said at the end of the, at the end of the, the podcast, he said, weaponize social media for your career. And I told him I was going to steal that. And Shellen is probably going to be mad because I probably will be saying that throughout pro probably the next year or two. Um, because it's so, so, so important to have a LinkedIn, um, a LinkedIn presence, like Claudia is saying, to weaponize social media, to be on Twitter, to be in these places. You know, that's where security people are hanging out. Go to where everyone is, start commenting, even if you know a little bit, whatever you're doing, blog, vlog about it. Um, it's just a phenomenal way to start getting connected into the community because so many people are here. Everyone is here. And if you're hidden and you're a secret, nobody knows about you. So as much as you can get exposure, do that. Okay. So um, Jonathan Ambry says, is big data experience useful for security? I would say yes. Um, you know, any kind of data, big data, data analytics, AI, um, machine learning, like it's all converging. All of this stuff is, that's pretty much what everyone's looking for. If you think about these large organizations internationally, everyone is pretty much looking for the same couple types of skills. So analytical skills, I know with, with data, usually big data is like a, a lot of analysis, data analysis, things like that, taking all the data that's out there in an organization's databases and all this information and synthesizing it and being able to share that um, and make sense of it. 
And that's very, very important right now. So I would say yes, you know, like big data is useful. Most, and and to, to pivot off that, Jonathan, most people, and I'm gonna quote Kent Underhill here, most people are a little bit insecurity and don't even know it. They're doing a sliver of their job, maybe 10%, 25% of it, and it's transferable into security. So like if you have big data or if whatever you're doing, currently doing, that could easily pivot into security because you're already probably likely doing a little bit of it anyway. Um, we've heard this a number of times too from different people in the industry that if you went the countries that do this the best, like I know I've, we've heard that, you know, in China, in, in, um, Israel and a number of different com- a n- number of different countries around the world, they start teaching their children about cybersecurity in the kin- kindergarten in the first grade. So people are kind of growing up understanding, oh, this is you know this is security. This is how it works. They're not just getting to it and happening upon it later on in life. They're growing up with it and they understand what what you know like how it is interfacing with all areas of life. If you think about Internet of Things, you think about, you know, we're going to be interacting with our fridges and stoves, if not right now. And all of that is related to security, self-driving cars. I mean, there's been all these different, that's all security. Um, they, people were talking about hacking into Teslas, things like that. Like all of that, everything is just so, everything, anything that has technology attached to it, security is a piece of that. Um, so. Yes, to answer your question. So Terrence says, hi. Hey, Terrence. Does anyone want to come on? So I'm not a monologue here talking by myself. (laughs) I could talk. I could talk all day long, 18 minutes of talking. Um, So another thing I want to talk about actually a little bit today is recruiters and HR. Because I know HR, poor HR. HR is like the, the... used car salesman of, of, of corporate. Um, and HR gets bashed so much. And, um, so I, and I get it, I get it. I've been in some HR departments where they've thrown me out because I was bashing them and I'm in it. And I was just like, this is ridiculous to what you're doing. Um, so I want to touch on a little bit of thing, a couple things that typically come up, especially when, when people are making, you know, relatively entry level, um, moving into, security. So there's two components when people say recruiters, um, there's two aspects to that. And most of the season people understand this, they've been, you know, headhunted, so to speak, for years. But entry level people will reach out and say, you know, um, I want you to represent me. <laughs> Which I think is adorable, right? So I want you to represent me, you know, can you be my recruiter? And I have to uh, to share with them that headhunter. So there's two two components to recruiting. There's your internal recruiter that is a part of an HR department, or sometimes called HR, depending on the, the size of the organization. So usually HR is kind of lumped in the way they say IT. Like most, if, if you're in a business, if you're especially in some big company, and they say IT, they could be talking about depending if, if security is lumped under IT, your IT, help desk, desktop, job developers, you know, like 
anything related to technology, they lump it in and say, well, it's IT's fault. You know, same thing with with recruiting or HR. They'll say, you know, it's HR. So I just want to break that down a little bit. So HR um, in a big organization typically has a number of different components to it. Many of you may have seen this and touched on this in the past, but, you know, I'll just break down just a couple of different roles. So typically you have what's called like, you know, your HR business partner, also known as like HRBP, and I think the HR manager. So when people have different types of challenges, problems, you know, oh, my boss hates me, things like that, you go to HR, right? Um, and big, big companies, it's broken down into many, many different groups. So you have like training and development, you have um, HR business partners, you have recruiting, you have um, uh, compensation. So there's a whole team of people just working on like compensation and telling you what roles are worth what, how much and how much people should be compensated. Other orgs and, and, you know, the bigger orgs, I've been in a lot of these big, huge behemoths of organizations, they'll have an executive compensation team. Um, so there's, you know, sometimes you have an HR department that has hundreds of people in it doing a lot of different, you know, to have a lot of different specialized skill sets. Um, so I'll drill down and get to the recruiting aspect. And so you're typically, you know, they might be a head of recruiting, a director of recruiting or whatever. So usually there's an HRVP or a chief HR officer or whatever, who's like the head of the department. And then under that, you have like a head of uh, head of training, a head of recruiting, a head of compensation, things like that. So drill down into recruiting. And um, that's where you get like, you know, either your director or your manager or your actual individual recruiter, depending on how big your organization is. And some organizations one person is doing everything. And I feel so, so sorry for that one individual. Um, but in the places where I've been, it's been kind of broken down so that, you know, you have a, a couple people um, when it gets into recruiting, you have like a team of recruiters. And my last full time opportunity, I think we had a recruiting department of 20 to 30 recruiters, maybe or so probably like 30 or so individual recruiters with a couple recruiting managers and director of recruiting. Um, and each of us had, so if you're an individual recruiter, um, you had between 20 to 30 positions that you're working on on a daily basis. Um, and it could be a scenario where you're working on all of one department so there were times where I worked all IT. There were times where I worked IT, meaning, you know, I would be a part of the, you know, recruit for developers, recruit for program managers, recruit for the office of the PMO, recruit for um, security. So there were most of those 20 or 30, 20 positions or so, you know, four might or five might be security. I feel like they half of them were always security. <laughs> But a bunch would be security. Some would be in other areas of IT. And then, you know, I also have finance positions at points in time. I had HR positions at points in time. I was like HR, as they call it, HR for HR. So I was hiring, helping to hire HR leaders. Um, so vast, vast group of, you know, roles that you're juggling. And so 
as a recruiter, you know, people are like, oh, recruiters don't get back to me. You know, we reach out, blah, 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 blah. Like imagine having 20 different hiring leaders that need your assistance. And then for each position, people either applying or you reaching out to the people to try to recruit them. So 20 times 50, 20 times, you know, 40, um, do the math. That's how many emails and how much is going back and forth when it comes to like your individual recruiter in a big organization. So that is what I wanted to paint the picture for people because I think especially in um, when you're more junior may not fully understand that. And I don't mean junior, I mean early career, meaning like, um, you know, new in your career and understanding how recruiters work and what they do and how they can represent you. So building a network of internal recruiters at organizations is great because um, I'm, I'm still on the inside of the company side. So internal company, um, large companies, if you are very, very interested in a place like a Google, an Apple, you know, you name your Fortune 100, name your Fortune 500, and you can connect with the people who are on the inside, that's fantastic. Um, you know, make those people your friends, <laughs> you know, be as close to them as possible. On top of having recruiters, though, in your network, you really, really want to try to partner with the people who are like you. So if you see cybersecurity analysts at Google, if you see cybersecurity analysts at Apple that have two years experience that just graduated from school, the interns, those are the people you want to be connecting with as well inside the company because they can give you insight. The recruiter, imagine they have 20 different things that they're juggling, 20 different hiring managers, you know, like you're one in a group of many. Whereas if you talk to someone who is sitting in the chair that you want to sit in, if they were the intern last year and now they're an analyst or something, they have a couple years experience, that is the person that you're most likely to get a lot, a lot of information from. A lot of these, especially Fortune 500 companies, have very good um, uh, um, referral fee programs. So if a person looks great, and you you know connect with someone and they can refer you in they will get a couple thousand dollars for bringing you in so it's incentive for them too um so really building that relationship on the internal company side so then i also want to explain the recruiter on the external side and I'll go through this relatively quickly. So the recruiter on the external side is a head, you know, most most people know us as like headhunters, executive recruiting, staffing, things like that, you know, and they can, and what, what we do, I've, I've been on both sides of this coin, so I can tell you from both sides. Executive recruiters are very unlikely to be able to place you in a position um, or represent you or work for you because companies hire executive recruitment firms for roles that they can't fill internally. So when they have, they're struggling, they're, you know, they, they realize like, hey, this is going to be a real difficult search. I'm looking for a needle in a haystack. I'm looking for someone that I have to poach. Like these people are not going to apply to my job. You know, they're, they're, they're active, they're working the best, best candidates are typically 
not all, but a lot of them typically just in there working in their field, not really looking around for jobs, not posting to positions online. Um, you know, they're networking behind the scenes, but not really posting. If you put a job posting out there, not posting to that job. And a company or a leader will come to somebody and say, hey, you know, I know you you have a network of pen testers. I know you have a network of, you know, incident response people. I know you have a network of like cloud engineers. Can you work with us and partner with us to do this, to, to find a, um, you know, to find someone? And so that's where the executive recruitment comes in. Now, the contract usually with the executive recruitment, they also are represented by, so they represent the company because the company is paying them. So if I, um, you know, one of my clients was Verizon, for example, Verizon is paying me to help them find a um, candidate. So I actually represent Verizon. Um, So, you know, when people say, hey, can you represent me? It's like, you know, occasionally I do. There's some people who um, I do represent and, you know, help them get into opportunities. But on average, um, or I guess across the board, more often than not, having someone to represent you um, is going to be difficult, as especially as an entry-level person. So the entry-level folks really have to kind of like get their hands dirty and get out into um, into getting in front of companies that will hire you directly, executive recruiters and staffing agencies and things like that. It's kind of not really um, the space where we tend to play. Um, On occasion, though, there will be staffing companies, like if you want to come, if they, if we need contractors to come in, like on a temporary basis. So we need some entry-level people, a handful of them to come in and be on contract for six months or something like that, that can happen. Um, but entry level, a company is likely not going to pay a fee for a person. Okay. So a couple comments in here, Claudia says, use NIST SP 800-181 to identify what you're doing related to security. That's a good one, Claudia. I'm going to check that out. Somebody else here says, well said, Renee. I don't know who these are. I have to figure out how to get this LinkedIn user thing. I say that almost every time, and I I promise you all I'm going to get it figured out and um, make a comment so that I can see your posts when they come up. And then MacMan says, we appreciate your work, Renee. It's just you, we know, but we are more focused than, thank you, MacMan. <laughs> so, so individual recruiters now work with a team of people, but like when you're, you know, when you think about just even recruitment companies, just as a whole, an individual, you know, they're, they're humans behind there. Um, and like I said, I, I had a, I had a good chat with JJ after um, one of these, one of these lives in, JJ's he's awesome. He's like, I hope you don't think we're beating you up as a, as HR. I was like, I think, you know, I've been beaten up by HR. I'm HR, but I've been beaten up by HR. And I think I beat up HR only because I feel your pain. Like it shouldn't be like this. This is not the way things should be. You should not have to figure out a way to work your resume into an applicant tracking system. You know, I could go down that rabbit hole. That'll take us for another half an hour. Um, You should not have to 
you shouldn't have to figure out all of these tricks. It should be easier than this. It to, to me, it doesn't make any sense. So I will go back, you know, internally to my former departments and stuff and make us make a stink and say, this isn't right. Like, why can't we find people? What, you know, we have these barriers up. This doesn't make any sense. And so I would get beat up. So, hey, you know, I'm used to it. <laughs> I would get beat up by, by my old peeps. Oh, man. Okay, question. Brian Park says, are there any entry-level cybersecurity jobs I can look into even though I do not have experience or relevant degree? Or would I have to start with a general tech-related role? Uh, Brian, this question comes up very, very often. Um, Most of the people say because it's so difficult to break into security right now, um, although, you know, it's like like this... this, um, it's almost like a catch-22. Like people come out of college, this happens a lot. They say, we want you to have experience, um, but how are you going to get experience if you don't get experience, if somebody doesn't give you the first shot to get experience? And one of the challenges, again, I, I listened to, we've done over a hundred of these podcasts. Um, you know, there's budget challenges. There's a lot of the entry-level stuff has been outsourced. Um, so, uh, if you're in a, like a lot of these organ- large organizations, they'll say, you know what, I'll take that sock. You should use level one used to be a sock, like an entry level security role used to be almost like the help desk. So a sock analyst, things like that, that used to be relatively easy to get into. But those now, no, now those roles have been outsourced. So going to a managed service provider, so MSSP, or looking at a lot of the vendors where you can learn their tool, they're more likely to hire um, more entry-level people without a whole ton of experience and train them up. So we were talking, I was talking about that with um, James Azar the other day, uh, who worked for vendors and stuff in the past. And like a vendor, if you have a new client, you just need people to do the work. So, you know, sometimes the criteria isn't, it's, it's a lot easier to kind of break through some of those barriers with some of the companies who are more on the vendor side versus like the enterprise wide, you know, fortune 100, fortune 500 um, type of companies. Um, So SOC analysts used to be one of those entry level roles. Anything with analysts in it typically should be um, relatively entry level. If it says like zero to two years or so, that's always helpful. Um, Yeah. And, but getting in with a tech-related role is also an easier way, too, because you may be able to get in easier that way and then pivot and move into um, security through after you get yourself into that company. So that one is key. Um, okay, folks, we are at 34 minutes. I have talked by myself for a very long time. <laughs> I love you all. Um, I wish someone said, hey, bring me on so, you know, I can give you the link so it wouldn't just be me solo. Uh, but I definitely wanted to continue the, you know, the um, the 31 days, 31 lives and 31 days and continue to talk about security, continue to break these myths. Um, if you have any questions that you want me to answer, you know, shoot, you all, you all know how to fa- find me on LinkedIn. I'm open, you know, ping me on LinkedIn, connect with me. Um, tomorrow we have, we actually do have a special guest. She is going to be coming on. That should be pretty, pretty, a lot of fun tomorrow afternoon. 
And then we'll do it again on Monday, Tuesday. We have people booked up all week next week to talk about um, security. And I'm, I'm really excited about some of these. I mean, these people are phenomenal. They have under five years. A lot of them are like two years, three years experience in security. Some of them had zero experience before getting in. Um, some of them talk about myth busting. You know, some of them have, um, I started, I've been talking about compensation in particular, because I see a lot of posts around, oh, why are these people asking for so much money? And some of these people with two, a couple years experience are definitely in the six figure range. So that's attainable. Um, so yeah, you know, we just want you, the, the whole goal of all of this is to hear from the horse's mouth. I don't want you to hear it from me. I want you to hear from the people who are the leaders, who are doing the hiring. And I want you to hear from the people who are actually getting hired. That's what the goal is here. We want you, and Chris would say this too, we want you to hear straight up from the people who are doing it, who have done it, who are in these roles, who are doing this stuff. And, um, you know, we, we are excited about, about bringing them on. So Claudia is making two comments and then I'm going to jump. Claudia says Splunk has cost courses on their website. Yes. So another thing, Claudia made a good point when people talk about breaking in, getting some of the vendor tools. So after you do your Google search and you look and say, Hey, you know, what are the top skills needed in security? That's probably a really good Google search. What are the top skills needed? Find those skills. If Splunk is a top one then, you know, like, oh, people in security, people, you know, jobs, job um, boards and job ads, they say they want people that know Splunk. They know people, they want people that know cloud, AWS, things like that. These companies have a course on their website, usually for free. You can usually download it and play with it for free. So these are the things that you want to do to get your hands dirty. Like managers will respect sometimes even more that, wow, this person doesn't have anything, but they download a Splunk and they play in it and they know how, you know, they're talking the language. They understand this stuff because they actually did it. So Claudia, thank you for that. And Claudia says she would come on, but she's not presentable. <laughs> it's all good, Claudia. We will have you on soon. So I am going to wrap. We're at the 38 minute mark, folks. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for your great questions. Um, hopefully, Justin Jones is back next week helping you like one on one. And then um, all this week, all this week, starting tomorrow. So we got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, I think Saturday and Sunday all have um, awesome people who broke it into the industry within the past five years, most of them two to three years. So super, super, super excited about that. Super excited to see you again and um, have a great rest of your day. Take care. Bye, everybody.